Big Red Revival. Here's Wiley's kick, it's high, it holds up there, Rodgers takes the ball at the 30, he's hit and got away, back upfield to the 35, to the 40, he's to the 45, he's to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all the way home! Holy moly! Man, woman, and child did that, put him in the aisles! Johnny the Jet Rodgers just tore him loose from their shoes! And with that, it's officially Oklahoma week. Uh, that was Johnny Rogers' famous punt return from the 1971 number one Oklahoma versus number two Nebraska game, otherwise known as the game of the century. And uh, here we are upon the 50th anniversary Saturday against Oklahoma again. Oklahoma comes in in the top five. Nebraska comes in on a two-game winning streak. So uh, the 50th anniversary game is a pretty, pretty big deal, and we're pretty excited for it. But uh, – before we get into all that, you know, we had a game this last weekend. Buffalo came to town. Uh, you know, I was a little ner- bit nervous about how uh, how Nebraska is going to come out and play, but uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, pageantry before the game. Obviously, with the uh, the twenty year anniversary of nine eleven and all that stuff. So, but uh, before we get into everything, Zach, Zach, what's happening? Oh, you know, just getting ready for this big game on Saturday. Um, yep, we uh, got kind of a weird situation this episode with somebody uh, standing over my shoulder so it's it uh bring, party. bringing a little un, un, unnecessary nerves that aren't usually there but we'll uh we'll play through but um yeah doing well and uh as each day passes the the excitement just kind of continues to build regardless of what we all think might happen so we'll see yeah but no back to the uh the buffalo game saturday obviously it was a 20-year anniversary for the from 9-11 nebraska broke out the uh, alternate uniforms with the camo on them um we all saw that great video that uh, nebraska rele- released with uh um you know the former navy seal and that great video they released over at twitter um just you you attended the game saturday can you just tell us a little bit about the pageantry and kind of the vibe in the stadium and was it actually a, a sellout or was it a, a nebraska sellout yeah, first and foremost, it was very hot in there. Um, I yeah. think they said it might have been one of the uh, the warmest uh, kickoffs in Nebraska home football history. So right. um, I would have thought it'd been more than that, but um, yeah, it, w- it was very hot. But no, it was um, it was a really sweet atmosphere. And I will say, you know, as far as it goes with the um, you know filling up the stadium, there's always that little section in southeast end zone where the students, you know, slowly find their way in. And you, right. you look up there and there's five minutes before kickoff. And then sure enough, you look up there right after kickoff and it's full. So you don't really see it happen, but it's always good to see, you know, there's no real noticeable gaps um, with the fans that I noticed anyway. So um, but the the 9-11, the 9-11 stuff was, you know, obviously very well done. You know, it was a lot of motions running high in the stadium and. You know, just the the overall presentation was was very well done. The uh, the flyover was awesome. Um, right. it was, you know, there's there's flyovers, but this one just seemed a little bit different. And they they did release that that uh, that uniform video, and they they abbreviated the video on on the big screen. I was kind of hoping they'd let the whole thing play out. Uh, okay. That would be my only. That would only be my um only be my you know downgrade for the for the whole experience. But overall, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, no, those flyovers are uh, something else. I remember a couple of years ago when I was at the game, they had one of those uh, one of those stealth bombers come uh, fly over the stadium, and you see, I mean, it comes over. It's that really thin black one or whatever, and it flies over the stadium, and then it's gone. And then like five minutes later, you hear the fucking thing pass the stadium. And you're just like, that is some technology right there. So those flyovers are always super special, but uh, obviously given the situation, uh, a little bit more added to it. But uh, but no, onto the, the actual game on the field. You know, Buffalo came in. Uh, obviously, they had ran up the score the week before playing, you know, a nobody kind of like Nebraska did in Fordham. So they put 69 points on the board. This is a team in Buffalo that, uh, you know, finished in the top 25 last year, uh, was in the top five of the total offense. So we knew that, you know, Nebraska was going to have their handful. It wasn't some team that we could overlook. Um, but, you know, I think from start to finish, really, Nebraska kind of 
kind of dominated the game. I mean, I know the scoreboard didn't say it much, but, um, you know, obviously I think we had probably three touchdowns called back, three missed field goals. So, um, as I say, we left a lot of points on the field. But, um, you know, the defense continues to be a strong point. You know, Nebraska has given up a total of 40 points in three games and a total of 10 points in the last two games. So um, the defense is who we thought they would be. Uh, up to this point in the season, but um, you know, there's an old saying uh, in the stock market: you know, buy buy low and sell high. And uh, unfortunately, after game one, um, I I dumped, called my broker up, and had him dump all my Adrian Martinez stock. Uh, as I sold it, I bought it high and I sold it as low as it can get. So uh, yeah, now I'm trying to call him back and uh, buy back into some of that stock. Um, you know, after that first game, you know, where Adrian got off to a little bit of a shaky start, really just. Not bad, just you know, not what we we're expecting from him. But these last two games, uh, just kind of really put his team, the team on his back, and I mean, just breaking long runs. Uh, he's finally found his uh, his uh, his go-to guy, Samari Tori, has uh, came in and lived up to every expectation we could have had for the guy. So, but uh, you know, the team goes as Adrian Martinez goes, and right now uh, he is he's looking damn well. So, just what do you think of Adrian Martinez up to this point? What have you seen from him so far? Yeah, he's been he's been sharp. Um, he's been you know crisp with his with most of his passes. It always seems like he has kind of one errant one to to start the game out and then kind of settles in. But um, seems to have full command of the offense. Um, and like you said, you know, it's Martinez and Torre are like when Will Ferrell and uh, John C. O'Reilly become best friends and stepbrothers. <laughs> they just they they must have had a moment sometime, and and now they're. Yep. Now they're karate chopping bags of chips and just doing their thing out there. And so um, it's karate in the garage. It's really good to see because you you haven't really seen Martinez have that type of connection with with a receiver since Stanley Morgan was here. Right. And, and some may say J.D. Spielman, but it, it seemed a lot more apparent with Stanley Morgan and now Torrey. And Torrey is just seems to be such a savvy, savvy player out there, just a cool customer and kind of does his thing and and you know he only ha- ended up with two catches on the day but yep. they, they were both touchdowns and he's sitting at number two in the country in receiving yards right now so you can't say enough about about him and then martinez at the same time is sixth in the country in passing yards and 14th in the country in rushing yards right so i mean there's there's two guys that are kind of doing it all for us right now and you know that's what you need i i harped on it before that we didn't have that guy but now we might have two yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to see, you know, um, and, you know, the offensive line really isn't doing uh, Adrian any, 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 any help. I mean, they are um, leaving a lot to be desired out there on the field. And, you know, the one thing that I, I really hadn't even noticed because we do so much rotating is how many guys are, are sitting out with injuries. I mean, um, Austin Allen went out, uh, I believe in the second quarter, he got tackled and hit his head probably in concussion protocol. So he's out his game's uh, the Oklahoma game status is, uh, is up in the air. Um, Omar Manning uh, was seen in a walking boot on Saturday. Obviously, Oliver Martin uh, is out. Uh, Xavier Betts left the game early. And then, obviously, Travis Volkolek, who hasn't played yet this season. So, you know, coming into the season, you would say that those were probably going to be our top top five, you know, uh, receiving weapons. And to have all those out and still see, um, obviously, outside of Torrey, excuse me, um, to have all those uh, pieces out and see um, Adrian Martinez still do what he's doing. And then, you know, you factor in the long runs. I mean, that he had that one scramble for, uh, I'm not sure how many yards it was, about, what, 70 yards or like so? 78 yards, yeah. 78 yards, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, it just, it he looks he looks different. Obviously, you can tell that he's definitely, the, the weight loss um, um, has helped him out. He definitely looks a lot faster. So it's just really good to see um, him playing this well. And now if we could get uh, – you know, maybe a piece in the running game and the O-line to uh, get in the mix, um, you know, we might be on to something here. So um, the running back room has still kind of been uh, a revolving door. Um, you know, we really don't – we haven't really pinpointed that RB1 yet. It's kind of, uh, you know, we're giving it to this guy for the first quarter and then uh, next guy we're rotating in, you know, about four or five guys. Which of the guys have you seen – you know, last week we talked about step kind of – we thought, uh, you know, kind of took a step ahead of uh, the rest of the room. But uh, – in this game, you know, I thought the the, the freshman finally uh, stepped up and looked pretty good. So, what are you seeing out of that running back room, and who do you, who do you like? Do you want us to start shortening that bench? They say, or just keep you know keep them fresh and keep them uh, rotating in. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think Step and Urban have kind of earned their spots as at least the top two. Uh, for whatever reason, we we keep 
you know, sprinkling in one or two more running backs in there. And it doesn't allow these guys to really get into a, you know, a rhythm and a, and a groove out there. But it, it seemed like Gabe Irvin kind of got that monkey off his back this last week. He finally got right. the end zone, um, had a couple good runs. There was one, we were sitting in the end zone um, pretty much right behind the goalpost and he made a really good cut and just got up field. There wasn't much of a hole, but it's just good to see him kind of coming into his own and 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 getting those reads and hitting his holes and and just getting a little more comfortable out there. So I think between those two, you know, if if we want to just start narrowing it down a little bit, and I think that would be the the right move. Sevion Morrison's fine, but um, it just seems like he's kind of a mix of the the two of them, and so he doesn't really bring anything that those two don't. Right, you know, and I t- touched a little bit on the uh, offensive line. Um, it just it just hasn't been up to par. These guys are getting pushed around. They were getting pushed around by the Fordham guys, which was obviously alarming. Uh, same kind of continued against Buffalo. So it's just it's hard to get that run game going. Um, obviously, you've seen a couple scrambles where Martinez is kind of he was scrambling because he was scrambling for his life because there's guys in the backfield early, but. Uh, it's just got to be better um, across the board. There's really not any of them that are playing well. Uh, Cochran, who is our top-rated gar- our top-rated guy, our starting left tackle, um, he he's looking like a turnstile out there, uh, you know, down there in the New York subway. So I don't know what what the deal is, but uh, you know, Austin or Austin uh, Greg Austin, the offensive line coach, you know, really needs to start earning that check because uh, we have we've seen zero improvement. And you know, he got that big big bonus here in the offseason where they gave him the new title of the you run game coordinator, you know, just an extra title to uh, give him a little bit more money. Well, it's it's time to go ahead and step up and start earning that money. So to his de- to his defense, though, since this coaching staff has been here, don't you feel like as the season goes on, the offensive line starts playing better and better? It'd be nice to see him play play well in the beginning and kind of hold and keep keep that going. But at the same time, maybe we have something to look forward to. But yeah, like you said, they're just not showing much right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've got that, uh, they started that uh, Twitter handle of, uh, you know, all of them, you know, you know, at the pipeline on Twitter and, you know, uh, you know, th- as a throwback to the 94-95 offensive lineman, you know, that they called the pipeline, which, you know, if these guys think they're the pipeline, that you know, I think they might be hitting the pipe, you know. Yeah, I mean, they might be hitting the pipe. That's about it. But uh, no, they, they don't resemble the pipeline ever, which, you know, just speaking of them, I mean. I feel like the brass is one of the few teams ever that our guys actually look smaller this day and age than back then. Like those guys back in 94, 95 looked like grown ass fucking men, you know, like just, I don't know if it was just the shoulder pads or, or what, you know, the neck rolls and shoulder pads were just way bigger, but those guys no, just it's like, because they're all Americans. That is that what was going on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It tends to kind of go hand in hand when, when you're bigger yeah. than everybody and stronger and meaner. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Usually means success. Yeah, that they, they tend to go hand in hand. So, but uh, speaking of horrendous, um, the officiating Saturday, it uh, it was as bad as it gets out there. Um, obviously, there was, I mean, for starters, there was the uh, the offensive pass interference call, which is now a big thing that everybody loves calling. And you know, in ninety nine percent of the time, you see it, and it's like, yep, the old pick play, you know, the old rub route, and and then you see this one where uh, we hit uh, Torrey on the wheel route. And was it Tory that we yep, hit on the wheel? Okay, yeah. that it got called back, and they called uh, offensive pass interference. One of the worst calls I've seen in college football. I mean, the guys were nowhere near the play at all. I mean, it just just terrible officiate. And then, you know, but the um, the last kick from uh, Culp uh, Frost is saying the damn thing went in. Um, so he said he you know cut up a bunch of film and was sending it to the Big Ten, but. There's a lot of phantom calls out there that I really didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Did you see anything else? There's one other really bad call that I can't think of. Off it's the, the top option. Of my head. It's the option from Logan Smothers. There it is. Um, there it is. He, that was that's as, that's as bad as it gets because if you're going to call something like that on of all teams against Nebraska, I mean, that's that's horrible. He he was two yards in front of the uh, who was it? It was it was um, Nixon, right? Yeah, yep, Will Nixon. Nixon, yeah. He was two yards in front of him, and sure, the guy comes up, but at no point was he ahead of Smothers when he caught the ball. So it was it was a really – it was a head-scratcher. And, you know, how many times have we even run that recently, and especially in the past? You've never seen that called. No. And no, then that's... even the screen the where they called it back on Torre, 
I mean, you see that on like the goal line sometimes. They called it against us against Illinois, and I could see it at that point in time. But this guy was where, you know, right in the center of the field, and Torrey's catching it on the sideline. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. a non-factor. It's, it's like when you don't call pass interference when it's uncatchable. I mean, I just – it was it was horrible. I I left with like three or four minutes in the game, so I didn't see right. a lot of the fireworks that happened at the end. But I heard that Frost was, and I saw that Frost was calling timeouts and really getting after him, and rightfully so. I mean, it's it's yep. it's getting time that we're we're tired of getting kicked around and getting these bullshit calls all the time. And he and you know he's he's uh you know kind of an animal backed in a corner at this point. So right. you know if if he's not coming out and fighting back a little bit, you know he's he's clearly not in it. You speak, speaking of old Scotty Frost there, um, got a new look to him this season. Um, he's rocking the, the, the undersleeves underneath the polo. Um, I don't know if he's trying to be, you know, kind of like a hoodie mellow. You know, remember that was a big thing. You know, Mello was wearing a hoodie underneath it, underneath his jersey. But now Frost is wearing a long sleeve shirt underneath underneath of his polo and a 90 degree, 98 degree day and, you know, 105 degrees on the field. I'm not quite sure what what it is obviously it's not that big a deal just just fucking weird i don't know it's just weird Maybe not to mention our new bolt. yeah yeah the, you sweat it out <laughs> detox <Yeah. laughs> sweat out all them toxins yeah no it, obviously not a big deal just i don't know and then on top of it i think our new coaching jerseys are fucking terrible too uh those new polos just just aren't getting it done you know like every year i buy the new polo comes out it's like this year and no, no, just go ahead and keep that money because those same aren't for me. It. I'm usually the same way, and I've I've started buying off-brand uh, Husker stuff because Adidas. I mean, how does Buffalo have Nike, and we're still stuck with Adidas? Adidas was kind of kind of trending there for a few years, but it's it's time for us to kind of. They were trying to live up that that you know push that three stripe life, you know. Yeah. They're trying to get that going. So I don't know. I, obviously, minor details, but. Uh, um, but uh, it's it's time for that special you know segment of the podcast where we talk about special teams. Um, special teams remain special. Um, you know it's uh, Connor Culp. Connor Culp uh, I don't know how to say it, but he's he's got the yips, right? Connor I mean, can't that's, kick. Is that is that what you call, would call it? I mean, when you Connor can't kick Culp. That's <laughs> right. Out of the seventeen kickers we signed. Uh, you know, we thought the all, you know, the returning all Big Ten kicker would be the least of our worries. And uh, unfortunately, he's got the yips, right? At this point, it's a mental thing. It's not like Frost is trotting him out there for 49-yard field goals and, you know, end of the wind and, you know, game on the line. It's No, he's he's lining him up dead straight. He's missing extra points. He's missing 30-yard field goals. Um, it, it can't be anything else other than mental. Um, and then um, your boy, um, you know. Your boy, I, I, I can't understand why we continue to trot Cam Taylor Brett out there on punt return. And you could say, oh, his guy ran into him. Well, what, what's that? What's the punt returner's uh, job to do? Is he supposed to yell anything out? Peter, 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 Peter. Peter. Is he supposed to yell that? Peter? Uh, yeah, I wasn't doing that, which caused another turn- turnover. So at this point in our season, our special teams has more turnovers than our offense. That's not a good stat. No. It's not a good stat. That's our only turnover of the game was a fucking fumble on the goddamn uh, punt return because Kim Taylor Britt didn't, you know, didn't yell Peter. So you had your uh, your guys blocking for you. Just keep blocking and ended up going off of uh, Reimer's calf or uh, Nick Hendricks calf. One of the linebackers calves. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't matter. It, doesn't matter. Uh, it was terrible. And we never need to see him back there again. So we're hoping that Oliver Martin returns this weekend um, because I saw they started putting Torrey back there just to. Basically, just field the ball. Just catch the ball and, you know, don't fumble it. That's, Wester Camp you know, style. Exactly. Santino Panico, our, yeah. our boy. Um, so, but uh, speaking of uh, uh, Reimer, uh, had himself a nice little week. Uh, middle linebacker, what do you have, 16 tackles, I think? 16 tackles. It wasn't uh, 31. It wasn't 31. I mean, that's hard to hard to replicate. So, um <laughs> But uh, ended up getting him. Yeah, yeah. Big Ten player, our defensive player of the week, mm-hmm. uh, had a nice uh, interception and damn near returned it for a touchdown there. So the linebackers, him and Heinrich, you know, we talked about it last week. A little undersized, but uh, the guys are playing well. Uh, the, obviously, we were talking about the defense only giving up ten points in the last two weeks, forty points on the season, uh, thirteen points a game on average. So 
Um, the defense, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, who is who we thought they would be. You know, obviously they're going to get a big test this week. Uh, you know, going down to Oklahoma, but uh, so far, and it, I, and I can't quite put uh, put my finger on what what they've done great so far. Besides not giving up points, because it's like we haven't got a bunch of turnovers, we haven't got a bunch of sacks, we're getting a lot of pressure. It's I'll just I don't what, know. They're, I'll tell you what we, it is. Let's hear it. We're tackling well. Hey, that's half the battle. I yeah. mean, do you remember the the years of like Riley and even the first couple of years of Frost? We yeah. we just didn't have a prayer out there to to bring the guy down. And now, you know, we bring the wood a little bit, but we're not we're not arm tackling anymore. We're we're going right. up and smacking them in the face and 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 making sure they get down. And we're not giving up any unnecessary yards because Buffalo is pre- pressing the issue to run the ball on us on Saturday. Yeah. They just yep. wouldn't. They wouldn't give up on their game plan, even though I mean they were getting two, three yards a pop. But we just kept coming up and and not giving them any any extra yardage and really just kind of being stout back there. And I think that that ends up making a big difference because we're not giving up as many big plays because we're bringing the guy down when we should. No, I, you know I I think about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what they're doing. They're not they're not missing tackles, and when they hit somebody, they're wrapping up and getting them to the ground. So I guess that'd be a shout out to uh, another Lincoln Southeast uh, alumni, Barrett Rude, uh, you know the linebackers coach. So he's got those boys playing really well. So uh, we like to see that. And then uh, Damian Daniels, Daniels uh, having quite the year. Um, you know he's always he's always been in the rotation. He's been playing for like three years now, and kind of just kind of been a guy, you know. Um, but him and Cam Taylor, not Cam Taylor, but um, uh, Caleb Tanner, um, two guys that have been playing consistently for the last couple of years, but haven't really had much of an impact. Both of those guys have really stepped it up this season and uh, really just balling out, uh, getting after the quarterback. I know the sack numbers aren't there, but a lot of pressures, a lot of pressures, a lot of QB hurries. So it's good to see those guys stepping up. Uh, and, you know, hopefully maybe we get Casey Rogers back here in the next week or so. Um, I think people forget about how good uh, Casey Rogers has been. So add a little bit more depth there. So defense is playing good. But like I said, they're going to be tested this uh, week. Uh, got Oklahoma coming to town. You know, they're averaging 600 yards a game. Uh, you know, Spencer Radler, the projected number one pick, uh, an Heisman candidate. So, um, but, uh, you know, across college football this weekend, um, you know, before the season we had talked about, uh, what kind of season we were thinking it was going to be. And I, I have said that, you know, there's not going to be any undefeated teams was my projection. And so far I'm with that outside Alabama. Alabama is clearly going undefeated. Alabama is clearly uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. But uh, you know, three or two of the teams that are perennial uh, title contenders in the, the college football play- playoff Clemson and Ohio state already have early losses two weeks into the season. So, um, Oregon went into Ohio State and, and kind of bullied them around, which was shocking to see a Pac-12 team uh, come in and not not only bully a, a Big Ten team, but bully the Big Ten team. You know, that was kind of alarming. I don't know if you got to see it at all because you were going down to the game, but uh, it, I mean, Oregon, it wasn't a fluke game. Oregon was the better team. Oregon bullied them up and down the field. Um, so just kind of odd to see that. Did you get to see any of that game? Yeah, we we watched uh, quite a bit of it before we went in, and Oregon did that without their best player and best and, two players, and possibly the best player in the country uh, in Thibodeau. So, Thibodeau. and so I think that even you know jumps off the page even more to you. And you know, um, credit to me, I, I did say Oregon's going to go to the the playoff. So I also said North Carolina. So. Don't give too much credit, but I'll yeah. take the word credit. <laughs> hey, hey, just tell them about the wins, not the losses. <laughs> so, um, and then you know the game game day, uh, the big game, the top ten matchup of the week you know, was uh, you know the old Hawkeyes traveling to the Cyclones for the old Cyhawk Trophy. Uh, you know Iowa hasn't lost to lost to um, Iowa State in I think six years now, and uh, you know Iowa State came in with uh, what they were saying was their best team in school history, and. Uh, I would put the fucking clamps on him. I mean, it was also another, uh, the score ended up looking closer than it was, but uh, Iowa turned him over four times and it really, the game was never in question. So uh, Iowa's got quite a nice uh, winning streak going on against a lot of the, uh, someone, someone I was listening to the radio the other day and somebody went over and they're like, it's been 2000 days since Nebraska beat Iowa. It's been 2,400 days since Iowa state beat Iowa. It's, and 1,800 days since Minnesota beat Iowa, since Indiana beat – and it was just all these teams. I'm like, God damn, man. 
So basically, all I was losing to is Wisconsin, and you know, and then uh, a Purdue every <laughs> sprinkle in a Purdue every other. Yeah, year. exactly. It's just, I mean, the definition of consistency. Um, you know, they've got the two best wins right now. They find themselves in the top five. You know, they uh, beat uh, top ranked or a ranked team at Indiana the first week, and then went into Iowa State and beat a top ten team. So they find themselves at number five already. So um, you know, the Big Ten, it's. It's up in there, but uh, Iowa's looking like the class of it so far. But I think you know, they, Iowa. I think Iowa beat a couple um, fairly overrated teams, though, because Iowa State didn't show you in Week One that they were worthy of a top ten. Correct. And Indiana, we all knew, kind of was just a fraud, and we didn't. They kept winning, so I mean, you know, whatever that whatever that means for you, but we knew what they are are actually as a uh, as a program, but. Iowa yeah. State, I think they just locked in Matt Campbell for forever, basically, because right. he, he's what they want. He's what they need. You know, a guy that just kind of keeps them in the mix and and wins some big games and is pretty consistent. But he's never going to beat the Iowas and he's never going to get them over that last little hump. And so I think that's probably good for him that they because he's always been that hot, hot coaching names, you know, every offseason. So I think he's kind of going to be a staple there for a while. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I just want to also point out, uh, obviously, game day was there. So, you know, it's the biggest game of uh, probably each of their seasons, you know, Iowa versus Iowa State. And, uh, you know, half the fucking signs I see are about talking shit about Nebraska. It's like, it's like Iowa State, I didn't even know we had beef anymore. I mean, I thought we smacked you guys so many damn times that you guys just, you know, shut the hell up now. But, you know, Iowa State, they got their biggest rival coming to town. and They're worried about fucking Nebraska's corn and, you know, all this bullshit. It's like, damn guys, like it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know what Iowa's people's obsession is with Nebraska, but I don't know. I, it's, I get, you know, like I said, they're trying to manufacture this into a huge rivalry, but uh, it is what it is. But uh, speaking of rivalries, obviously we let off the show with uh, the famous Johnny Rogers uh, punt return uh, of the game of the century. Um, it was number number one, Oklahoma versus number two, Nebraska. Nebraska was just coming off a national championship in 19, 1970 under Bob Devaney. And uh, this game was played on uh, Thanksgiving, uh, 1971. And I just did a little research on this, you know, just for everybody that doesn't know. And I didn't really didn't know that much um, either. But um, according to uh, Wikipedia, which I trust Wikipedia with everything, any, any questions I have, Wikipedia is the answer. So. And I know people can get on there and put whatever they want, but I trust what's on Wikipedia. Um, but I fact-checked this a couple other places. Um, apparently, the 1971 matchup of Nebraska and Oklahoma, dubbed the Game of the Century, is the uh, most watched uh, TV show of all time per capita. It was shown in over 51% of households in America. 55 million viewers turned in on Thanksgiving Day to see Oklahoma and Nebraska play each other. So it's the most uh, watched football game in television history, 50, 55 million viewers, which this day and age, I don't, I don't know how many viewers you get, but obviously 71, I don't think everybody had TVs. And if you did, you only had, I don't know, four or five channels, I guess, you know, your ABC, CBS, ABC type shit. But uh, no, that was kind of interesting to see. Uh, Zach, what do you, what do you know about the, the game of the century? Do you know anything? I mean, I've watched it just like probably every other Husker fan does, but uh, it's, it's always very entertaining and just kind of, or uh, kind of just, uh, it's not something we lived, lived through. So, right. and it's just really, really crazy to see how much the game has changed since then. Um, yes. and just how much you could just see that those two teams hated each other and how much Correct. they were just taking it to each other. And it was just a, also a, just a different sport back then too. And right. I mean, if you don't, if you can't sit down and watch that and just, just be so like locked in, like you don't, you don't appreciate good football. And, um, yeah. and yeah, obviously there's the, the, the famous man, woman, and child, you put them in the aisle. And I mean, yep. I think Johnny the jet, anybody that has ever lived in Nebraska for any sort of uh, extended period of time has heard that no more than a thousand times. <laughs> I mean, it's no like, less than absolutely. a thousand times. And so, yeah, right. It's just something that just goes along with, with Nebraska football and always will. And it's just an awesome memory to just, and also awesome, you know, to, to support a team that's been in that, that big of a game. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, just, you know, since it's the 50 year anniversary and this is why we're playing it. Um, obviously there was the, uh, the drama before the season where Scott Frost, you know, tried to have his buddies, you know, backdoor Bill Moose and, uh, get out of the game. Cause you know, Scott's desperate to make a bowl game this year. And, you know, he, so he wanted to play another, uh, uh you know, Fordham or whoever, he, another bum he could beat up on to uh, pad his stats up against. But, uh, <clears throat> a couple more things about the game. Uh, Nebraska came in riding a 20 game unbeaten streak. Um, a 20 game winning streak and a 29 game unbeaten streak. So there's that part of it. Um, it was basically all running. Nebraska had 50, 59 rushes for 297 yards. Oklahoma ran it 64 times for 279. Um, you know, Nebraska ended up scoring on the final three of four possessions to win the game, including that the game winning touchdown with uh, uh, a minute 38 to go in the half uh, from Jeff Kenny, apparently our stud running back at the time. I had never heard of him. Uh, Jeff Kenny had four touchdowns and a buck 31 rushing. Uh, the stars in the team, Jerry Taggy was the quarterback. Um, obviously, Johnny Rogers, Rich Glover, and Larry Jacobson. Those were the two. They were both All-American defense tackles. Uh, they won the Outland Trophy Award. Um, Rich Glover won it uh, in 71. Larry Jacobson won it in 72. Um, so just – also, there were eight. Nebraska had eight All Americans on the team that year, so just a completely, <laughs> completely different vibe. Uh, so lots, lots and lots of talent. But um, yeah, I, I've obviously known a lot about it. You know, my dad um, actually grew up with Johnny Rogers, went, played high school ball with him, was his fullback at uh, good old Omaha Tech uh, here in here in Omaha, uh, which is no longer a school. It's now the OPS uh, district office, but uh, my dad went to Omaha Tech with uh, Johnny Rogers and was uh, pretty decent friends with him. So what I've met him numerous times. High school, yeah, Omaha Tech, and yeah. you know, my dad tells me some. You don't crazy want to see. You don't want to see them. Oh yeah, just all brothers. You know, my dad's like, uh, you know, we, when we go to away games, they'd load us up in like a, a U-Haul truck just with the sliding door, and they'd fucking pack us in there, close the door, and just be pitch black. They fucking drive us over to the game, <laughs> pop open the door, and we get out and play. And I'm like. Damn, that's that's pretty crazy. But uh, no, my dad tells me a bunch of crazy ass shit. You know, um, my mom seems to hate Johnny Rogers a lot. I guess he's he's an asshole, which most star athletes probably are. Um, but like I said, I've I've known him uh, most of my life. He's been over to my family's house a bunch of times. Um, but um, it just uh, yeah, like you were saying, it's just a completely different uh, game back then. But uh, and it's just tradition. Um, and you know, as I was talking about with the Iowa thing and now the Oklahoma thing, I, who do you, who do you think is our real rival? Who's, who's our favorite rivalry that you, of yours, like who's the team that you're like, that's the team I hate the most that I want to beat the most. So it's interesting. You, you asked that because uh, when I was going to pick up my daughter earlier today, I was listening to hail varsity radio and they were saying that, you know, Nebraska and Oklahoma has always been a big time rivalry and, you know, everyone, everyone knew but it wasn't Oklahoma's big rivalry. That's always been Texas. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma and Texas have always been in lockstep. They've always kind of done things kind of as, you know, uh, as almost like a team, even though they hate each other. But it, you know, when the get, when it came down to the Oklahoma Nebraska game, obviously there there was the the pageantry and then and everything. But I think for Nebraska, if you have to put it on one team, I'd say it's got to be Colorado. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm 100% with you there. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that was what you're going to say or whatever, but I, I'm 100% firm behind you on that. Colorado is our biggest rival and the team that I hate the most. And I think they hate us the most too. Um, just obviously we uh, played them what two years ago. We played them uh, a home and home series. We went, we actually went there for our, my bachelor party. Um, we got to enjoy that game. Um, but yeah, for me, Colorado, I'd like to see us play Colorado every year. You know, how kind of Iowa state plays Iowa every year, just no matter what it's like, I would like to see us play Colorado every single year. Um, for me, that's, that's my least favorite rival on the team that I like to play the most. So not to mention Boulder's a sweet ass city. Yes, They've got great uniforms, but, um, um, back to the Oklahoma side of things. So we've played, we've played Oklahoma 86 times. Oklahoma leads a series, 45, 45 wins, 38 losses, three ties. Um, the last time we played them was in the Big Ten Championship, didn't you? Did you attend that game? I did. Yep we we blew okay. a big yep. lead and um, yep. went down with old uh, John Dillard, Philip Dillard, former linebackers' brother. Okay. Yep. That and was of uh, my 2010. Uh, yes. uh, 2010. Yep. Um, in the Very Big well. Ten Championship, 
Was it at Jerry World? Yeah, it was like brand. Uh, Jerry World was like brand new at this time. It was like okay. the second or third year. It's or yeah, first or second year. It's been open. I couldn't remember if that was the year we played them in uh, at Arrowhead and fucking um, in that ice bowl in that ice bowl at Arrowhead. I was also at that one too, okay. with our friend Brett well, behind me. All right, yep, I, that was the ice bowl. So that was the last time we played them. Uh, obviously, Nebraska ended up losing that in the Big Ten champion, Big Twelve championship, twenty three to twenty. Uh, that was the year before we left for the Big Ten. So, uh, and then just another interesting stat: Oklahoma um, ruined Nebraska's perfect season five different times. There was five different seasons where Nebraska's only loss was to Oklahoma. It was 64, 66, 75, 79, and eighty-seven. So five more years where Nebraska was undefeated outside of the Oklahoma game, where Oklahoma soured an undefeated season. So, um, I mean, it's a uh, it's a rivalry. It, it goes back. It's just it was more in the 70s and 80s when both teams were really at their peak. And then when we got into the Big 12, the Big 12 was formed. Uh, Nebraska, or, um, excuse me, Oklahoma wanted out of the uh, every year matchup. That was supposed to be one of those crossover games that we played Oklahoma every year. Oklahoma wanted no part of it because, you know, if you think back to when the Big 12 started, that was 1996. 1996, Nebraska is a fucking steamroller. We're, I mean, we're we're, you know, whipping anybody and everybody. So I can certainly understand why they didn't want to play us every year. But um, and also I, back. I did go uh, I did go down to Nebraska at Oklahoma in in Norman. It was mid 90s. And I think we beat them something like 77 to nothing at that time. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the uh, Frost, Frost ran it up on him both times he played Oklahoma. I think he outscored him by over 50 points both times. 73-21 so. in 1996. Yep. And then 97 was another ass whooping. Oh, yeah. In 69-7. to seven. Nice. 60, I bet yeah, they missed so. the extra point Connor Culp style just to make that 69 happen. Mm, yep. Ooh. <laughs> so uh yeah so frost is has a history of running it up on oklahoma so uh hopefully none of those guys are still around to uh you know try to pay that pay that back to us but uh onto the game on saturday um oklahoma comes in i believe they're ranked number three now uh they struggled in their first game against tulane where tulane had a chance to actually win the game at the uh at the end they end, oklahoma ended up winning 40 to 35 um, but Tulane was able to kind of shut him down the second half, turn Spencer Rattler over twice. Um, just kind of what, what do you see coming into this game Saturday? What uh, what have you seen from Oklahoma so far this season or at all? Um, I, I just don't I, – I, I see a lot of the same that we saw from Spencer Rattler early last year. He had those early struggles against against the you know first three or four teams he played, and then kind of kind of got yep. things going. But got benched in the Texas game. Yeah, and so unfortunately, I think they had what we call their their get right game last week, and kind of got. I, I think what did Spencer Spencer Rattler have in the first half? Like five or six touchdown passes or something like Correct. that. Correct. Something yes. stupid. Yep. Um, so obviously, it's going to be a huge challenge. They have three you know, elite wide receivers. So what what I'm kind of interested to see is Cam Taylor-Britt, w- say what you want about his punt returns, but he's been solid defensively. He They're not throwing to him. They're, they've been going to Newsom and, and whoever else we have on that other side. So he's going to get tested this this week. Right. And we're going to see what he's really about on the defensive side of the, of the ball because, you know, they have so many options. They don't need to go away from a corner. They're, they're going to go with what they see – defensively and what Rattler's seeing out there on the field. So we're obviously going to have a huge challenge. We're going to need our offensive line to do just just enough to to get Martinez in good spots and allow him to um to you know do his thing there and and keep keep Torre busy because he's he's going to be a guy that we really need to step up against, you know, a, a fairly okay defense, but yeah. No. And uh, like you said, our secondary is going to be tested. Oklahoma is all about the big place. Like uh, Nebraska, Nebraska needs to be ready. Like they're going to give up a 50 yard plus touchdown. They're going to give up a couple of deep balls. It's just, you know, you got to move on to the next play. Oklahoma is going to take their shots and they're going to keep taking their shots. It's uh, you know, it's going to be getting the pressure on Rattler because uh, you know, if you can get him a little, uh, how would I say rattled? Um, I think it gives Nebraska its best chance, but um, you know, now bringing into our, our, newest member of the pod here uh brett broman uh brett what's what, up what do you need- nation how we, how doing? we doing um brett what do you what do you think uh nebraska needs to do on saturday to give themselves a chance to win well first off i gotta 
give a shout out to Taylor and Zach. Let me be on the podcast tonight. Appreciate it. Yes, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, so with Nebraska, our offensive line, just not that great. Um, right. Really where I think we've got to take the advantage on Saturday is our D line is going to go up against what I understand has a couple JUCOs, a couple freshmen on the offensive line of Oklahoma. I know you guys were talking about this earlier, but I think Ty Robinson, Steely, all those guys, they're going to have a pretty big game. And if we can get some pressure on Rattler, he's shown yep. he's going to throw some picks. And yep. I like our DBs. So. Yeah. How many how many points does Nebraska need to score to uh, have a chance to win Saturday? So, yeah, I, I was coming from a golf event tonight, talking to Raby, coming out here. And I was like, you know, I want to be on the podcast. Put me on the podcast. <laughs> hey, we're all about that. Yeah. Let everybody shout out. Let everybody shout out to Drew Burson and Adam Porter, too. Good listeners okay. to the podcast. But exact words is, um, you know, we've got to put up at least 35 points. Yep. Right. I mean, 35 points puts us in it means our defense hopefully is playing well. And if, you know, we don't make mistakes on special teams, we make the extra points, we get right. a field goal here and there, we don't fumble a punt, like you said, Cam right. Taylor Britt, even though I think he's our best playmaker back there. But, you know, that's where I think we got to be to be competitive. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'd like to see uh, two 100-yard rushers, obviously Adrian Martinez, uh, it's probably going to be one of those guys, but I'd like to see, uh, you know, another guy get in his groove, get lap, lathered up and uh, be able to, you know, have a hundred yard game. So I'd like to see like 200 yard rushers. And then, I mean, outside of the obvious things, playing a clean game, penalties, turnovers, special teams, um, you know, let's see, let's see the defense get after the quarterback. Like I said, we've been pressuring uh, pretty well. It's time to go ahead and start getting home and uh, getting all this, getting the sacks and getting in Rattler, Rattler's head early, you know, whether we've got to, you know, sometimes leave our corners on an island out there, um, you know, our secondary, you know, they need to be they need to be on their shit, uh, especially our safeties. Our safeties have been historically uh, pretty prone to getting beat, getting beat over the top. You know, I think both of them, if you had to uh, pigeonhole them, they'd, they'd be more uh, come up and run stoppers than they would be coverage guys. So we need them to have their best game uh, in coverage uh, this week because, yeah, you know, we're going to – I was watching the Baltimore-Oakland game, or not Oakland, I guess the Las Vegas Raiders now. Right. How many times did Baltimore go full blitz, right? Yep. Put them put yep. them out there, make the quarterback make a decision. I, I feel like we don't do that enough. We've got some pretty seniors, as Zach will always tell me, two of our safeties have kids. Like they're, they're old enough. <laughs> they, can, they can both rent cars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, come on, let these guys play, you know, and they've shown – throughout the last couple of years that they can get guys in coverage and let's bring the blitz, make a quarterback, make a decision and, you know, go from there. Like this whole rushing for trying to play coverage. We all know how that works. So, yeah, no, the, the sitting back playing coverage isn't going to do it. It's, it's gotta be man to man and we just got to live or die by it. Cause that's the only way. I mean, you can we can either die by a thousand little you know little finger pricks you know getting dinked and dunked if you're trying to play zone. Um, I think we've got to bring the blitz, uh, Reimer and uh, <laughs> and uh, Henrik. You know they've got to have another good game, have great open field tackling, and you know don't let don't let small plays turn into big plays. You know don't let a ten yard slant turn into a sixty yard fucking house call. So yeah, and it's got to be. I think go JoJo JoJo is going to have a pretty big game because if you look well, at it. What's Oklahoma run? It's Big 12. They're going to run a spread right. offense. JoJo might honestly be out there for 100% of the defensive plays. Yep. And we all sure. know if JoJo gets an opportunity, that dude, before Cam Taylor Britt came in, JoJo was probably all three of ours' favorite defensive player, right? Like the yeah. dude was and, and I think that, you know, I think two our two favorite defensive players, at least on this podcast, uh, Raby's big joke or uh, Cam Taylor Brick guy. I'm a big JoJo guy, and they've yet to have their uh, best game of the season. So you know what better time than Saturday, you know, on the big noon kickoff against you know number three Oklahoma to have your best game of the season and really kind of show out. You you guys came back to improve your draft stock. Well, guess what? All the eyeballs in the country are going to be on this game. So let's go ahead and put something on tape, and you know let's let's go out there and at least put our best foot forward. And um, you know what I'm looking for is to at least 
be in the game at halftime, you know, and that it sounds terrible that that's the way I'm thinking is just be in the game at halftime, have it at one score game at halftime, and then anything can happen in the second half. So Zach, what are, what are your keys to, to the game Saturday? Well, kind of to piggyback on what you guys said too. Um, I, I don't think that we've shown a lot of blitz packages since Illinois. I think we've kept right. pretty generic as far as our defensive scheme um, with Fordham and Buffalo and, you know, Buffalo that kind of played right into our favor because they just didn't didn't really get cute anytime. They just kind of tri- kept trying to run it forward and do their thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for, as far as Saturday, you know, I think we need to see an effort kind of like what we saw against Ohio State. Uh, what was it, 2018? Uh, Martinez freshman year. Just just hang around, make some big plays. Um, you know, just you know, shift the momentum here and there. Don't let them get right. get going and don't let them, you know, just kind of take over the game and and kind of blow our doors off. As long as we can just hang around and, you know, make a play here, get a first down there, get off the field, you know, get a turnover. As long as we can just do those types of things and just, just kind of be, you know, just be tough out there, be, um, what's the word, the person always uses it, but um, uh, he... Yeah. Anyways, just just kind of just make those small plays and be gritty. That's that's the word right. into me. Be gritty. Um, you know, I think that's that keeps us in it. You know, it's remains to to be seen if we can actually stick with them and and have a chance to win the game. But like you said, let's let's keep it respectable. And if we're there at the end, great. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that we haven't seen, like I was I think we may have talked about it last week or I've talked about with somebody is the uh, the lack of a. Uh, trick plays that we've seen out of Scott Frost in his four years here at Nebraska. I don't know if I've, I can't really honestly recall one that we've seen in four years from Scott, you know, a fake field goal, a fake punt, um, an onside kick to start the second half or to start the game. I think that we see something like that Saturday. I think that we, if we don't, I think we need to, I think, you know, hell say we're kicking off the kicking off the ball, fucking onside kick the motherfucker you know we need to do something that's going to change the the trajectory of the game we need something like that we're going to need a score or turnover in special teams and i think this would be the perfect week to break out whatever he's been fucking hiding in that special teams or trick trick play bag because four years in we've yet to see a trick play from scott frost and this coaching staff so um i think we need to see something like that on saturday just to kind of uh, get the get the Uncle Mo on our side, the momentum of the game. So um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Obviously, um, Adrian Martinez is playing his best football uh, these last two games. Um, hopefully, we get a couple of these uh, receivers or tight ends back to help out. But obviously, Chris Hickman and the uh, the Brewington or Brewster Bre- Brewington, whatever the Brewington. new Brewington Chancellor Brewington. Uh, they came in and played well, but you know they're not Austin Allen and Travis Volkolek. Um, so, and then Oliver Martin, you know, it's, I think it would be nice to have him back. I think he's also kind of security blanket for, for Adrian, uh, alongside Torrey. So I'm looking for, you know, Adrian to, uh, continue to put this team on his back, this offense line to, uh, you know, one of my favorite sayings, uh, <laughs> is in football and in life in general is a fist fight in a phone booth. Like that's how this offensive line really needs to look at it because right now, they're just getting whipped. So you just got to take it upon yourself to go out there and whip the man in front of you and uh, give your quarterback a chance because, you know, I think Adrian's shown if you give him some time and give him a chance, he's going to make he's going to make more plays than he ain't. So but that's, you know, that's the breakdown. Let's get into, uh, you know, well, what real, real quick. Hey, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on to the podcast tonight. I think we need to add in a section that talks about fan mailbag. So I've got a question <laughs> for you and Zach real quick. And first off, Taylor and me watched the Buffalo game together, and Austin Allen hits the turf, and Taylor goes, night-night. And I'm (laughs) like, no, he's fine, dude, he's fine. And the dude literally was asking for his mom, thinking the meatloaf was done. Like, he was out cold. Props to you, Taylor, spotting that right off the bat. We didn't even need replay for it. So, What about when Daniel's helmet came off and I told you guys that was a personal (laughs) foul? You guys didn't believe me. Yeah, yeah, no, Taylor, Taylor – even though we had some fireball, Taylor was on it. So yeah, but, I don't remember the fourth quarter, but I remember the beginning of the shit. Yeah. So uh, new segment. I hope we can get this going. But mailbag from the fans. So yep. the question I got for you and Zach is: Do you think Torre is better than Wandell? <clears throat> All right, Zach. I'll go ahead and step up the mic and take this question. Um, yes, yes, I do. Um, Wandell is obviously a great player. 
Wondell is clearly balling out at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky just got a big win on the road at Missouri this weekend. And, uh, you know, he's doing his thing down there. And I'm, I know Kentucky's glad to have him because he's probably their best player along a couple other, alongside a couple other transfers that they got in. But, um, uh, for what, what this team wants to do from what Scott Frost talks about, it's all about size, 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 size. And, you know, and, in the offseason when Wondell initially left, you know, he tried to spin it into, well, you know, I think it might actually open up a few more things that we want to do, get some bigger guys in there. And I just took that as a bunch of bullshit, you know, just like trying to frame, hey, we just lost our best player, you know, frame it in a better light. But, uh, you know, and Torrey coming in, it wasn't like this guy was just some transfer from some FCS Montana school that wasn't much. This guy was a was an All-American, you know. The guy had 1,100 yard, yards receiving his last season there. And was an All American, um, and I think for what this team needs, Torrey is the better fit. Um, now, overall, better player. I mean, they're both great players. I mean, Wandell is clearly, you know, we saw what he did here. Obviously, we don't. I don't think any of us believe that he was used a hundred percent correctly, and that was mainly due to injuries and just you know a need for some production. But for what this team needs right here, I would take Torrey over Wandell on Nebraska twenty twenty one. Zach? Yeah. Um, so I kind of agree with you in some aspects, but I would say it's it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges with those two, because I think uh, Wandale is more of your like utility Swiss Army knife type of player where one day he might contribute in the run game, one one day he might contribute in the passing game. Um, and whereas Torre is a true position player and he he does his job ex- at an extremely high level. And so um Based on what we have with this Husker team and what we need for this Husker team, I would say Torre is a better fit and a better player. So it's kind of dancing around the true answer, but yeah. um, that's that's. And like I said, no slight to either one because obviously Wandell is doing his damn thing, and it would be great to have see Wandell alongside of Torre, you know, to you know be a true slot receiver because um, you know that guy's special. That guy in the open field uh, is pretty damn special, but. Uh, just having a great possession receiver like Torre has been uh, – it's been great to see. You know, we haven't seen it since Stanley Morgan. And, you know, just to piggyback on that further, I think Torre is actually better than Stanley Morgan also. So, I don't know. But um, that's that's it for that. That was the first uh, rendition of uh, Mailbag. Thanks to our <laughs> – Thank, thanks for our buddy. Thank you, Brett. Buddy, you're, you're welcome. Yeah. As they say in yeah. Major League, as they say in the ma- Major League movie, dynamite drop in, Brett. Broadcasting yep. school is really paying off. All right. So uh, prediction time. Um, so obviously the betting line is 22. So they gave us a ton of respect. Just kidding. Absolutely no respect. Uh, so Oklahoma is favored by 22. Um, and... I've, what is the over under? Anybody? I forgot it. I think it's I think it's like sixty two or sixty three. Um, so, final prediction, guys. What what's going to be the final score of the game? Um, give me your predictions of what we're going to see and what the final score is. Um, I think that we're going to be hitting the unders. I think it might. It, I think it's going to be Oklahoma thirty one, Nebraska fourteen. Thirty one fourteen. Okay. Uh, Brett, uh, f- score prediction for Saturday? Well, as you are aware, Taylor, I've got plus 27 with you. Yep. Super excited the line came out at plus 22. Correct. I think, honestly, going to throw it out there, I think it's going to be a 17-point game. It will be Huskers 31. Oklahoma's going to be in the 50s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't just give you a number because well, I just you, didn't even think about it. You said it, so. seventeen points, so thirty-one to forty-eight. Thirty-one to forty-eight. We're gonna go fifty-eight points <coughs> for the okay for the right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm seeing right. it's uh, a 30, 31, or excuse me, thirty-eight, twenty-seven Oklahoma game. Um, I I think obviously we talked about what Nebraska needs to score to give themselves a chance. Got to be in the thirties, but. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if we're getting there. We're gonna have to start fast, which has been a uh, a not strong suit for this team and this challenge, staff. if you will, a challenge challenge to say the least. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's a 38-27 Oklahoma game. Um, 
And I, I just want to see us, you know, act like we belong there. I want to see us look like we belong on the same field with Oklahoma because that has really been the main issue with Nebraska and big games where we play these top teams and we look like we don't belong in the same field as them. So um, I think, you know, going out, going in there and getting, you know, having a 38-27 game or somewhere along those lines, um, I think would leave us playing, feeling pretty good about the rest of the season, kind of like when we uh, went to Ohio State and ended up losing by five. Uh, I think a lot of people came out of that game still feeling pretty good about the team and the rest of the season. So uh, just go in there and, you know, show that you belong. So, you know, we've got a – we're a quarter of the way through the season already, so we have nine games left. Five of them are versus currently ranked teams, and it could be six because Michigan State is 2-0, and playing really well. And they go on the road to Miami this weekend. So if they win that game, Michigan State will be ranked next week when we play them. So that could be six of our final nine games against ranked opponents. And and on the road to get to six wins to, uh, you know, what many feel is to save Scott Frost's job, it's going to be a fucking dogfight. We're going to have to scratch and claw. We're going to have to beat some teams that uh, we're not supposed to. So um, there's that. What do you – what kind of outlook do you have for the rest of the season? Well, what you mentioned too, and not to, not to mention there that five and potentially six of those teams, three of them are top ten teams, right? And so you know, it, it's not we've gotten through the fluff of our schedule here. It's very, very, very unfortunate we are not three and zero right we've now. We've played our or fucking the worst three teams on our schedule. Yeah, there's teams we've played. There's no more Fordhams. There's no more Buffaloes that are going to just run for two or three yards a carry. I mean, we're getting into the big 10 now and um, after, I mean, obviously <coughs> Oklahoma, but uh, it doesn't get any easier from here. And I'm just hoping that these guys just continue to kind of figure out, you know, how to play together, how to, um, you know, really deliver at a high level. And we want to continue to see uh, Torre and Mar- and Martinez be stepbrothers and and uh, just continue to, you know, be elite because that's what they have been so far. You know, I don't think any of us would have said at this point in the season that only Martin- Martinez will only have one turnover. Um, right. You know, he's been kind of turnover prone. So, we can keep him um, doing what he's doing, putting the team on his back and making big plays and our defense just continuing to be stout and doing doing their thing. I mean, we could find ourselves in a, in a decent spot and hopefully in a bowl game. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's going to be a, a dogfight to get us there. But, uh, you know, that's what you should want. You know, that's what you should want. Every game from here on out is a, you know, is a toss up game. I mean, so it's. It's not going to be easy, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way. Every Saturday, there's no Saturdays where it's, uh, you know, we're playing Fordham or we're playing somebody that we should beat the hell out of. It's like every single game is going to be a close game and a dogfight to win. So It's not good for my blood pressure, though. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, I know. And it's not good for my alcohol intake, especially after last Saturday. So got a little gassed up on the, the fireball and the vodka monsters. So. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, brother. Yeah, it's something about drinking in a pool in the sun and then Husker football on. It's just like all my favorite vices just rolled into one and just led for, you know, one of those where you get text message next day like, oh, I've got I've got your clothes over here or, you know, and fucking That's what it's like to be an Arizona State fan probably. Yeah, well, they don't even watch the games. So, yeah. like I said, I I went to their spring game one year when I lived down there, and my tick my seat not ticket it was just a general admission ticket, but I got to sit next to the goalpost because there was, I think, two hundred fans there, and one hundred and eighty of them were sitting up underneath the the shelter to avoid the sun or whatever. So I went and sat. They had chairs right next to the goalpost, so I sat right next to the goalpost, and they ran fucking goal line right there in front of me, like fucking eight feet away. So, um, yeah, you know, people talk about, you know, the, the fake sellout streak and the fans or whatever. It's like, you, trust me, you go to a program like that, and they're in the top 25. They're a decent yeah. team. They can't fucking get anybody to show up. Same with UCLA. Well, they have 600 people there at that first game. Yeah, you'll see it start to fill up now, too. Plus, ASU's got some uh, got some things pending here that I think they, they're not going to be in a great spot here in about a couple yeah. months. Well, you know, hey, maybe fucking we finally just do away with the NCAA and tell them to take those sanctions, shove them up their ass, you know? So, you know, it's like, fuck you, I quit. We're not we're not dealing with the NCAA anymore. We're in the alliance. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, that's it. Any, any final words? Uh, final words of encouragement for this team come Saturday? 
Well, Brett, Brett, first, first, first off, I got to correct. Raby was totally right. I said a 17-point win, and I was going like, you know, like 31-58. You know yeah. No, it's 48, so I'm sorry yeah. for that. Well, yeah, words of encouragement. Just play good football. Like, right. can we all just imagine, like, the Huskers actually going out, not getting penalties, not screwing up on special teams, playing good defense. Like, just play a good game. Like, no one's asking you to win. Just play good. You know, every every middle-of-the-road team, which is what Nebraska is basically currently, has jumps up and bites a team that they shouldn't beat once every four to five years. What what year was that when we beat Michigan State when they're in the top five? It was like 2017? 17, yeah. I, 17 or 16? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know, it's we're we're due. We are we're due, due for one. We we're due. due for one. You know, we see it happen every fucking week. So let's make something special happen this what, week. What worries me a little bit is we we just never really put ourselves in that spot when when we're away. But right. maybe this is and that again kind of plays into the the point that we are due for that too. So yeah, I, I, I mean, just, yeah, go ahead. Yep. No, I'm just like I, I win this weekend would be a. A game changer, a program changer for the University of Nebraska. So, yep, it that, would. That's it, guys. Um, you know, as always, go Big Red. Uh, Nebraska, go out there and show us what you got. And uh, just play some good football and see if we can get this W. Godspeed, fellas. Good luck. Right <laughs> fucking signing off. <laughs>